Oh, hey, you made it. We weren't sure anyone was able to get the broadcast. We found this huge vault full of cool things from before the event. Yeah, do you want to come check it out? Welcome back to the Outside Podcast, everybody. My name's Patch, and this here's Robin. Hello. And uh, we're here to tell you what we've been up to in our deep secret underground vault in the middle of Scotland, uh, whilst the post-apocalypse has been raging above us. I've been rambling a lot the past couple of episodes, so I'm hoping to make it a bit more... I'm hoping to sound a bit more coherent today. Coherent. Coherent. Well, that's marvellous. Let's jump into it. Talk to me. What have you been doing? Since we last spoke. Uh, I've been playing a lot of the new series of Hitman games. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Hitman series at all. Um, The last Hitman I played was Hitman 2 Silent Assassin for the PlayStation 2. I think that's the first one I played. It was a marvellous game. It's very good. And the series has kind of uh, peaked and troughed a little bit since then. Mm. The last one I remember playing before now was Hitman Absolution, which came out a couple of years ago, which was good, but I had kind of strayed away from the sneaky assassination. It was more of like a big bombastic action game. Right, I understand. Uh, there was still, all the Hitman elements were still in there, but they, they'd added a lot of just like, okay, now you can get the big gunfights, you can take hostages, and listen, that's not what Hitman is about. Um, I think it was owned by Squaresoft when it was Absolution, but now Warner Brothers seems to have got seem to have gotten there filthy grubby mitts on it and uh, they've actually done a pretty good job oh uh, so the, the series came out a couple years ago and I only picked it up recently because it was going for cheap it's an episodic sort of series of games so right. all the levels released kind of one at a time over a series of months uh, which I think people were annoyed with at first I think they initially suspected Warner Brothers of uh, trying to make a quick extra buck like they have been wont to do recently uh, you know I'm thinking uh Shadow of Mordor, uh, I'm thinking uh, the Batman games, but uh, no, the the creative decision to make each level its own little miniature game uh, gives players the opportunity to fully explore these massive, like, towns. Uh, There'll generally be two uh, targets you need to assassinate, and you can just take your time. You don't because there's not a big game to rush through. You can just take your time on one level and explore and find out all the different opportunities, all the different ways you can essentially just murder people in cold blood. <laughs> Which, after playing twenty odd hours of Hitman and then realizing I'm just murdering people, if you take away the assassination aspect from it, it's just like I'm just I'm just plotting people's murder in quite a cold ruthless way <laughs> um, so it's, it's quite dark uh, in a way like because there, like, there is a bit of humour to the Hitman games you know you can disguise yourself as all kinds of hilarious things like a flamingo mascot and like a clown uh, but at the end of the day you're just sneaking about in the dark murdering the elite is, like, is, I, I do like the uh, level uh, design is very quite grand because you are essentially like Taking out high, what's the word? Profile. Taking out high profile targets, so it's lots of mansions, lots of fancy hotels, lots of like exclusive clubs. So it's like, so everything's very sleek and technological, and mm-hmm. uh, everything looks really nice. And it's just yeah, for some reason the game just seems to be like let's kill the rich. <laughs> Which, I wonder uh, why. Yes. Yeah. Perhaps that um, 
Perhaps that sells to the target demographic. Aye. Uh, but no, it's good. It's, it is genuinely good fun. Like, uh, it gives you lots of little, uh, what's called as, like, what's, it gives you what's known as mission stories. So you'll reveal little bits of intel about your target, uh, which you can basically uh, follow these breadcrumbs to lead up to a death, which is, like, thematic to their story. Like, say, there's, one of them is, like, a racing driver who takes, like, performance-enhancing drugs, and then you can basically follow all these clues and eventually disguise yourself as their doctor and then just poison their drugs and then you just poison them and you walk away no one's any the wiser uh, but I find that a lot of these stories is like uh, like the people you disguise yourself as it's like oh and funnily enough he looks exactly like you Agent 47 and Agent 47 is like a 6 foot tall scary bald man <laughs> at every level there's always someone you can disguise yourself as who's close to the target like, who has a close relationship with the target, who just looks like 47, a big scary man. <laughs> and 47 doesn't change his voice in any of these situations, which, like, you can kind of suspend your disbelief a little bit because it's, like... Because the AI is ridiculously stupid. But say if you're, like... Uh, I think one of the people you can disguise yourself as is, like, a, is like a yoga instructor. And he's like, Hey, man, I'm a yoga instructor. I hurt my back. I can't do these yoga lessons. And then you sneak, you know, you follow him around until he's in a quiet, dark corner and you, like, you know, you choke him out, hide him, dress yourself up as him. It's like, hello, I am your yoga instructor. <laughs> it is time for your lesson. It's like, you know, learn to do a voice, 47, jeez. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm really enjoying the series. It's, um, it's Hitman, uh, so they've kind of started uh, with their title and it's just Hitman and Hitman 2. Uh, and it's just uh, kind of all the missions are kind of linked by a quite a, not a great story. Mm-hmm. It's like you work for one secret society who ends up being manipulated by another secret society who are being manipulated by a militia, and then you have to like double cross and double cross and double cross, and it's like you just 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 send me to kill the millionaires. <laughs> Come on, don't. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you get into like tons of weird secret like Illuminati parties and like, of course it's uh, it's I don't know it's it's a bit it's kind of over the top but it's, it's fun it's fun. I mean, the Hitman games have always kind of been a bit ostentatious and over the top, but mm. that's it's part of the charm, I think. And I also think it's part of the charm that like it must be a running joke in Hitman games that when Agent Forty Seven dresses up as someone, he's still a big twelve foot. Bald monster. Twelve foot. It's a bald Sasquatch of a man. <laughs> well, he is, uh-huh. and with clear white skin. Yeah, and he does not look like everyone. Yeah, I mean, he's he's not your typical sushi chef, but you know, <laughs> that's, that's how I got someone today. <laughs> but I suspect that that is part of the charm, and that's part of the ongoing joke. Um, that is kind of part of the dark humor behind it. He always speaks in like very shady double entendres like he's at a job interview to work for like the mafia he's like I always aim to please while he knows there's like a sniper trying to he's like I always see my job through to the end (laughs) (laughs) like you could not be any less of a murderer (laughs) right now um yeah so highly highly recommend Hitman uh, the new series uh well the kind of reboot I guess series yeah uh, I'm playing it on Steam. Uh, I kind of wish I'd got it on the PlayStation 4 because I'm playing with the mouse, com- mouse and keyboard, which I generally prefer. But I, I think it's designed with a controller in mind. Sometimes it does make an enormous difference. Mm, it's very fiddly. Although aiming 
It's very good. Mm. You can quit. I've I've seen gameplay of someone playing on a on a console, uh, and if say you've got like a silenced pistol, you're trying to take out two guards very quickly, like with a mouse and keyboard, you can just go pew, pew, and take them out. But with a controller, you're kind of sweeping all over the place. Um, my chair's creaking. Apologies. Um, I just really appreciate the design choice of an episodic uh, game like Hitman. Mm-hmm. Where it is like where it's like small open worlds, so it's like it's the scope of an open world, but just on a like you know like a neighborhood scale. Mm-hmm. Where it's like okay, this is where this person lives. Just get to know their life. Just really get in there, have a sneak around, see what they're all about. Because it really encourages you to kind of like restart the game multiple times, like keep learning things. It encourages you to get caught and mess around, and then unveil your master plan and. Yeah, it's really worth... I mean, so, some of the game is just sitting there, just literally not pressing a button, just waiting two minutes for things to happen. But that's, you know, it's worth it, because you know it's all coming together. Giving me a very concerned look. I understand that, but... Uh... <laughs> no, no, I completely understand that yeah. feeling. It, it's because I think you are unknowingly acknowledging something which... Can't remember his name. I'm terribly sorry, but the narrator and creator of Game Maker's Toolkit. Okay. Wonderful YouTube channel, and he actually discusses these Hitman games at length. And he, uh, I think he describes it as how Hitman makes you feel like a master or something along these lines. Like a criminal mastermind. Well, it it gives you those feelings that mm. you just described of aha! I created this huge trap. Please uh-huh. walk into it. You. Rich person. Yeah, it's like a Rude Goldberg machine of death. Yeah, and he describes it as it's a puzzle game. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a puzzle game that's dressed up in you know first person shooter and stealth elements, but inherently it's just a very large puzzle game, mm. and you have to create a system that makes this puzzle happen um, when you're not there. And I think it's a very interesting way of looking at the Hitman games. Um, and I think that's it's quite interesting as a whole because it opens up this idea of how games can be other games without you realising it. Yeah. Like, Hitman is a puzzle game without you realising it's a puzzle game. That's very true. Yeah, yeah. Um, or how you can play... I'm trying to... I'm grasping for another game that is in a similar vein. I found... You know what, funnily enough, I found... I was talking about Untitled Goose Game a couple episodes ago and I you find were. that's a very... Like that's a very wholesome version of a hitman game because you have to because you get given this list of tasks to do it. You have to basically puzzle your way through this village to figure out how to get this person to lose their glasses to eventually buy them off off of the market vendor again to trick them into buying their own stuff. And it's it's very much like you're just a mischievous little goose, whereas in this you're a mischievous little murder man, <laughs> <laughs> a <laughs> mischievous little. 12 <laughs> murder sausage. <laughs> um, Do not worry, I am just a goose. I wonder if anyone has made that comparison before, because now you say it out loud, it makes complete sense. I'd like to be the first person to make that comparison. I would like you to be as well. I'm going to do a 45-minute YouTube lecture on, <laughs> on how Hitman and Goose Game are the same damn same game. Same game. Same game. Oh, um, just a quick uh, side note, uh, segue... If you will, uh, have you, did you see any of the game awards at all? No, uh, I I kind of didn't. I missed them. I, it's not something I generally put time aside for. But I saw like uh, the 
the Muppets did a little crossover with Untitled Goose Game, and it made me chuckle, and it made me feel good inside, because I like the Muppets, I like Goose Game, uh, but the category that uh, the Muppets were, were uh, they, they were reading, like, the nominees for category, and that, the category was, like, games that made an impact, and it was all, like, games dealing with quite, like, uh, serious subjects, uh, so it was weird to have the Muppets be like, and now the winner of this category is this game about the plight of the homeless. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and they were, they were like messing around with like a goose puppet and stuff and I was like, huh. that's a bit tonally strange. Yeah, okay, weird, weird, but uh, good to see uh, the Muppets getting some screen time in 2019. I always want to see the Muppets get some love. Always got time for the Muppets. Anyways, that's my Hitman talk. <laughs> Capped off with the Muppets. Yeah. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm glad, and I'm glad we talked about that. Um, because I, I forgot how good Hitman was. It's, I would say really, it's a lot of fun. It is, and it's just a marvellously compa- complex game. Mm-hmm. It's just wonderful, wonderful to talk about. Um, I'd like to play it more. We should play that together. Maybe we should play it together on our new Twitch channel. Don't go outside, forward slash Twitch, forward slash... Coming soon, maybe. <laughs> Coming never. Well, you never know. Yeah, well, you never know. And Switch is lucrative and, you know. More lucrative than YouTube. I don't think we... Uh, we have spoken about doing YouTube before, but I don't think... I think it's too... Too... Too risky to try and start up a YouTube channel these well, days. YouTube's are all, YouTube's always changing their goalposts, you know? It's also just... You know, YouTube's so saturated. I suppose Twitch is quite saturated as well. And... And... The podcast... We should start putting videos on Pornhub. We should start releasing Don't Go Outside videos on Pornhub. But just the podcast? Just the podcast. Just the, just the audio. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah. I think we should. Let's start syndicating to, to Pornhub. All right, cool. We might need to get uh, Waifu and Sons to... Uh, we might need to get them on contract. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on a retainer. I suppose, because it's... I mean, if that... If the banner ads on those kind of websites should be selling anything, it's Waifu and Sun Services. Yeah, if it should be selling anything, it should be our podcast to the masses. There you go. Uh, Don't Go Outside Podcast, coming soon to a filth site near you. Does your home have a high-pitched squealing noise that just won't go away? Are you constantly running out of clean underwear? Are you approaching the age of 30 and still haven't lost your virginity? Sounds like you could have a bad case of hentai. Hi, I'm Douglas Waifu. With the help of Waifu and Sons Hentai Removal Service, you can platonically kiss your home's hentai infection goodbye. Look, I get it. We all love a Dragon Ball or a Naruto to ourselves from time to time, but left unchecked, these seemingly innocent collections of posters and vinyl figurines can quickly become a sticky pile of body pillows and unwanted incognito windows. Here's one of our trusty dehentification specialists, Bobby Botaku, to talk you through the process. Uh, hello, uh, Bobby Botaku here. I'm here to tell you about some of the more technical aspects of the services we employ. Um, what we do is we uh, get dressed up in hazmat suits, we bring our high-powered pressure washer filled to the brim with uh, with a special mix of green tea, petrol, salt, and uh, and, uh, I was going to say like wasabi or something. 
maybe keep it Japanese, I don't know. Well, I don't want to get too, uh... Don't get, don't, listen, I'm not trying to get too offensive here. I'm just saying, you've got to fight fire with fire. <laughs> <laughs> Can we... Yes? Uh, sorry, you finished about... I'm waiting for you to say the next thing, bud. Oh, thank you. Um, I just want to talk about Box Peak. <laughs> oh, yeah, you told me you'd been watching Box oh, Peak. Oh, my goodness gracious. So I said my fill on Box Peak last episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I've got a bit more to say, but I'm interested to hear all your thoughts. Um, wow. Just wow. <laughs> That's good, huh? Um, it, like, it just filled me with a... like. A boyish glee. Yeah. Um, it managed to somehow capture the feeling of that initial spark of wonder you got when you entered the world of Pokemon or whatever. I, I, I remember the exact feeling of, oh my god, um, when you you start actually being able to explore the Pokemon regions on, mm-hmm. on, on Game Boy... Or when you watch the the anime at the same time, and you saw this massive adventure, and like the sky was your limit, and it 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 gave me a little bit of that feeling. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I I I totally know what you mean. And it was it clearly it was modern comedy satire of this, uh-huh. but it still managed to capture that. And I don't know if that's because of very clever musical design. Or because it hit enough of the right notes, but it gave me that genuine, unadulterated feeling, which is it's so rare to get a feeling like that. Of, yeah, of yeah, such a pure feeling. And then beyond that, it's just, just funny. It's just yeah, it's really it well written. just yeah, yeah. straight funny um, and silly, and it's not got a, it's not got that cynical badness in it. There's a lot of. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Like cynical and cynical and badness and, and dirty humor is 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 good. It's valuable. Mm. But it just uh, just mm. quick, what do you mean when you say cynical badness? Badness, like I'm not saying badness as in cruelty. I'm just saying cynical as in like as in you would rather just see badness than see good. What in the characters? Um, or in the show. In, in in a show or a piece of media. Oh, like poking fun at the genre. Exactly. Oh, okay, right, yeah. Um, well, no, I mean, because the series has been, has been written with a love for that kind of material in mind. Yeah. Uh, because, the, because I, like I said last time, I've been following... The guy who's created it, I've been kind of following his work for a wee while now. And when he was on Game Trailers, like the writing that he did for all his shows was very similar. Like, he just comes up with absurd little stories and just builds on them over time. And now he's got this chance to actually like turn that into something you know uh so yeah it's, it's written with a love for that genre of 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 of, of story mm-hmm. so yeah i see what you mean though it's just yeah very pure because the easy gag is to punch down at it and mm-hmm. I, cynical badness was not a very articulate way to try and describe my feelings here Perhaps what I'm trying to say is, yes, it would be easy to punch down and just say, oh, it's so stupid. You can just whip a potion out your bag. That's nonsense. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or make fun of the, the whole idea that you're cramming um, animals into these pokeballs or whatever <laughs> similar joke about these sort of uh, worlds that are created uh-huh. around the game and the absurdity of that. 
but it does it makes fun of it in a way that is loving to the genre yeah um which isn't to say that it doesn't have that edge of humor to it edge of uh, adult humor with the the subplot about the the, the dads <laughs> he's lost his family they're taking over bonefield island yeah um have you seen it all the way through? I've seen the whole thing, yeah. Yeah, because I think it's I think season two's finished now. Um and yeah, I don't know if anyone who's listening is gonna watch it, so I won't really spoil the end, but I do like how it ends just sort of like Oh, okay. That's it. <laughs> it's just done. Cool. Nice clean ending. Happy with it. And they could have easily spun it out forever. Yeah, absolutely. I mean you could Well yeah, you I suppose you could. They could have. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt, they could have spun it out, but I suppose then it would have fallen prey to what all of these same universities fall prey to. And yeah. It's a repetition of the same thing. Yeah, but it's a nice little concise story. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I'm, I'm really glad you watched it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Because uh, I... is So, I, I mean, I think everyone must have a little corner of YouTube that that they watch, but no one else they really know. Mm-hmm. in real life kind of knows about it yeah. and it's like I really want to tell people about this and talk to it like every, I think everyone has their equivalent of that mm. uh, so yeah I'm glad I'm glad I could <coughs> bring bring that to the show and talk about it and have a positive impact on your uh, media experience <laughs> just two words I'd never want to put together again <laughs> Well, it certainly did have a positive impact on my media experience. <laughs> oh, God. Just to make you cringe. Um, I'm it glad. Was, it, it was, it's so rare to have that feeling, and I think that's the main thing I want to hammer home to anyone who would potentially consider watching this. And I would recommend this, not to anyone who has uh, an interest in this area, YouTube or anything along those lines. I would recommend this just to anyone who, if you watch the Pokemon anime or Yu-Gi-Oh!, or Digimon, any of these things, yeah. when you were a kid, watch this. It will. It is not going to take much out of your life, and you will enjoy it. I almost guarantee it. Yeah, it's, it's really good. Uh, so yeah, youtube.com forward slash easy allies, and then just look up for Box Peak. It's uh, all in a playlist, it'll be there, and uh, yeah, give it a watch, because uh, they worked hard on it. And the, the theme tune is just something pretty special. The theme tune's good. The actual animation though is pretty good, right? The, yes. Yeah, that little two D cutout animation and like the two little techniques they employ with it. It's all. It's like real life Paper Mario almost. Yeah, yeah. It's it's quite a difficult style to. I mean, it must have been, it must have been used lots of times before, but it's the first time I've seen it employed so well. Yeah, I've, that's the same same for me. Um, just incredible animation style, incredible idea, good writing, and. Again, managing to capture something that was dead and buried in my adult soul for so long. I know. It awakens the child inside of all of us. I know. Thank you, Easy Allies, for doing <laughs> turned into a drunk old man for a second there. <laughs> I know. But, I mean, I, I should probably chastise Easy Allies, because I resurrected that dead child, and now I've had to punch him back into the no, grave. You, you've, had a, you've had a little glimmer of hope. Yeah. Uh, show up and that's that's not good. You've got to muffle that down. There's no hope in the post-apocalypse. There is certainly none. But yes, box peak, box peak, box peak. It's it's outrageously good. Glad you glad you liked it. Uh, mm. Follow more of those guys' work because they they they're a creative bunch of guys. Mm. So I'm glad you watched box peak. 
<clears throat> glad you find it reminiscent of old uh, anime of the past, mm-hmm. uh, where a young hero goes out to discover uh, a brave new world of adventure and fun. Because uh, I've been watching something slightly along those lines called My Hero Academia. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an anime which uh, I must have mentioned on this podcast before. I'm not the hugest fan of anime in the world. I do watch it and I do enjoy the odd one. Mm-hmm. Um, Cowboy Bebop, One Punch Man, which you put me onto, which is mm-hmm. it's really good. There's a new. Have you seen any of the new series of One Punch Man? Seen it all, man. I've not watched any. Maybe we can uh, follow that up. Put a pin in that. My Hero Academia caught my eye because uh, a group of uh, stuntmen based in LA did like a live action like a spin-off of it where they just have like an anime fight but in live action with all special effects and stuff and I was like what is this it's like all people with like their own unique superpowers um and it just got me really pumped I was like oh superhero stuff okay cool so the show is about a, a young kid who has no superpowers in a world where 80% of the population does have superpowers and all he's ever wanted since he was a little boy is to grow up and be the greatest superhero in the world. But he's got no powers. But he's like a huge nerd when it comes to heroes. He knows everything about all the heroes. He's taking notes all the time. Um, and he eventually gets made the uh, the protege of, of one of the most famous superheroes in the world called All Might, I think his name is. Who's slowly losing his power because uh, his power, as as you get older, you start to lose your power. But you can pass that on to to uh, to a successor. Uh, so this boy's dreams come true, and he becomes like he, he gets these super heroic powers, and he goes off to hero school, which is the academia of the title. Um, and it's uh, yeah, it's just really cool. It's a good story about kind of it's just you know the the classic you know it's not about the powers you have, it's about the hero that you are at your heart. It's just ah. Lovely, good stuff. Uh, but no, the characters are quite good. It's quite well written. Uh, the music's good, um, and the animation's pretty decent as well. It's kind of One Punch Man in its animation, where it gets a bit scratchy at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you get a good background of kind of a lot of heroes and stuff because of the main characters' like knowledge of the hero world. So he's mm. kind of like your introduction to this to to the lore of the world. Um, and yeah, the antagonist, a bit of a psychopath. Like, like his rival is like a boy that he went to school with. Who is, who is quite powerful and for some reason just hates the main character because he's got no powers and he's just an <laughs> like asshole to him all the time and when he gets into hero school he just is irrationally just like mad at him to the point where I'm just like I don't really like this character <laughs> like I just don't really like the way it's written mm. because it just seems irrational and, and crazy but like as the episodes go on you find uh, maybe there's a deeper reason behind why yeah, but now I'm enjoying it, man. It's not like the greatest anime I've ever seen, but just if you want a if you want a little bit of anime action in your life, because we recently got our anime cave uh, cleaned out, and I thought, you know what, I'm gonna dive in and find something new because because um, that uh, live action Cowboy Bebop series isn't coming fast enough. Oh well, yeah. and we don't know about how that's going to go. Um, I want to see it though. I'm going to. Yeah. I'm gonna see it. Um, yeah. I think that I really like the idea of... So I've never seen any of My Hero Academia. I really like the idea that the kid has this encyclopedic knowledge of heroes. Mm-hmm. And that's how your knowledge of heroes is built. Yeah. Um, I, I like This This has been a plot device that I've seen employed a few times. Yeah. Especially, um, I think it seems to be quite strong in anime as well. Um, I mean, obviously the one... I'm, <laughs> 
because I, I was rereading it recently, but there's a, <clears throat> a German author who I'm a big fan of called Walter Moores. He wrote a kid's book some time ago called The 13 and a Half Lives, First 13 and a Half Lives of Captain Blue Bear, which is about a blue bear. Okay. Um, it, it's, it's just a fantastical novel. It's wonderful. I would really recommend it to anyone. But at some point, this the the um, titular character is has an encyclopedia implanted in his brain, mm-hmm. and then that allows the the author to say, "Oh, I'm going to pluck this plot device or this this thing about the universe," and then just say it openly, uh-huh. and then he can put a footnote at the bottom where the protagonist's brain just went, "Ding! This is what this means." Oh, nice. it's, I think that's just a very good way of like. Of describing aspects of the universe while maintaining continuity. Yeah. Not continuity, but the flow of the story. Um, so I enjoy that, and I like to see when it's employed well. Yeah, it is quite... It is employed. I'm going to move my chair very quickly. It's creaking a lot. That's better. You're going to have a lot of editing to do, buddy. That's fine. I'll just call this the creaky chair episode. <laughs> Welcome to the creaky chair my new podcast where I'm an old man drinking an old brandy in my creaky ass chair. <laughs> Welcome to the creaky chair cast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yes. And All Might, the guy's uh, mentor. But he's a really like over the top like uh, Superman slash Captain America spoof. And he's like his public persona's all like, "Hi, we'll save you. Hello, everyone." And then as soon as he's behind closed doors, he becomes all like malnourished and thin. And he's like, oh, "That's really hard work <laughs> to be that guy." <laughs> and like the way that Midori has to get his powers, he's literally like, "Swallow one of my hairs." <laughs> like, what? So gross. I know it's really gross. There's a lot of gross stuff. I think what uh, there's quite a lot of weird body horror in it. Not. Mm. I don't think it's an intentional. But, like, one of the characters, like, um, powers, or they're called quirks in this. One of his quirks is that he's got six arms, but they're all connected by, like, a big wing of just, like, skin. And it just, it just looks disgusting. That's so gross. <laughs> and, like, uh, a guy has uh, can, like, run really fast because he can, like, jet fire out of his, like, calves. But he's just got, like, big holes in his calves with, like, jets in them. And it's just, like, it's kind of, like, it's kind of grotesque, but, like, it's not made to look so it's like it's quite cartoony and quite mm-hmm. nice looking but you're thinking about so this person in real life I'd fucking scream <laughs> do you know what I mean because I mean you, you gotta in your anime you gotta be careful how you deploy body horror lest we need to call waifu and sons again yeah I mean body horror fine just don't get freaky with it you know just <laughs> I mean I mean there's a fine line between Akira and uh insert name of Anti series here. I'd like to watch that and discuss it further because it does sound very good. And a friend of mine is very anime oriented, so mm-hmm. I'll be able to talk to her about it as well. And it has been around for a little while. And like I say, I just I kind of heard good things about it, and I saw this live action interpretation of it, and I was like, this looks sweet. This anime fights. That's really all it is. Just anime fights, which is all you really want when you watch animes. I just want to see the people punch each other and run around and the speed lines and. And internal dialogues. Oh my god, what am I going to do? If he uses that power now, I'll be helpless. <laughs> Stretches out over an entire episode. It's good. It's just Dragon Ball vibes, really, isn't it? Dragon Ball vibes. Yeah. So I wouldn't have been able to enjoy My Hero Academia 
without the help of this week's sponsor, Waifu and Sons Hentai Removal Service. Yeah, so we came back from our two-year snap. Uh, I think... I mean, I'm not pointing fingers here, but I think Robin had maybe left a VHS copy of, uh, of Fist of the North Star running before we got snapped. And by the time we came back, it was just uh, it was just chaos. I mean, you have recently spoken of your recent experiences in what became known as the Hentai Cave. But uh, Robin, I'll tell you what, I wasn't happy with the way things were in there. It was filthy, it stank, it was slimy, it was greasy, it was very squealy. Look, I mean, I've, I've said before, you know, uh, what goes on behind closed doors is all fine. But we did reach a point where the hentai cave was coming out of the hentai cave. Mm-hmm. Um, we we had a, we had some problems. There were there was technicals in the fridge. Um, there, there was issues. But I'm very glad that we got our good friends who have chosen to sponsor this episode. Mm-hmm. Our good friends over at Waifu and Sons Hentai Removal Service. Um, who, who sent out a technician the next day, dehentified, 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 the entire vault. Did uh, it in the afternoon. Now it's just a very nice, wholesome time we're having here. It's very wholesome. Yeah, watching some Ghibli. Yeah. Uh, eating some ramen. Yeah. Uh, there's no octopus in this ramen anymore. It's all chicken and pork. We're not, but not that kind of pork, because it's a wholesome time for family fun. Certainly not ramming any octopus. <laughs> <laughs> Things are fun and clean. Fun and clean. It's fun and clean. It's clean and serene since 2016. Waifu and Sons Hentai Removal Services are here for you. I don't really been doing much else. I've been busy planning assassinations <laughs> quite a lot. Just been sitting, just waiting for people to <laughs> to fall into traps, which has uh, been quite quite fun. Well, in which case, speaking about one contract killer, shall we move on to a contract bounty hunter? Yeah, speaking of contract, is there any other kind of bounty hunter? Do they all work on contract? Do you get pay as you go bounty hunters? Is that not how it works? I'm not really sure. Pay as you go, because you surely just pay per job. Pay per job. I mean, maybe you can get like someone who you have a bounty hunter on contract. Wouldn't that just be police, though? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yo, that's just the police. They're bounty hunters on retainer. No, that, that's it's not... It's just a man, That's though. not an insulting thing. <laughs> no, it's just like, what, what does a bounty hunter do? They they find wanted people and bring them to justice. Uh, on a head-by-head basis. What do police do? They, <coughs> they find do wanting that. people and bring them to justice. Bring them to but justice. they just do it on a regular basis. This is going to sound disparaging to... Well, the thing is, the bounty hunters have the freedom to do it outside the law. They can they can choose to do, like, just work for the mob. Yeah. Okay, so bounty hunters are, are morally ambiguous, whereas the police are supposed to be at least morally tied to the word of the law. Yes. Okay, I'm glad we made that distinction. So, that was uh, <laughs> maybe quite a messy segue into our topic of the week. But we got there. We got there eventually. It wasn't exactly a, a George Lucas screen wipe like you might get in a Star Wars movie. It was more of a don't go outside segue. <laughs> Classic, let's talk about the pedantics of the law. Uh, Mandalorian! The Mandalorian is so good. Um... Whoa, you think it's so good? I love it. I love it, man. Ooh. So, one thing I was hoping to bring up 
in our build up to the Mandalorian is I kind of hate Star Wars. I mean, look around my room. I got Star Wars stuff all all around. Yeah, but I mean, we're we're practically in Star Wars. But I'm I've just I'm I'm I, I kind of feel like I'm over it. Like the Star Wars stuff that I like is like the old shit. I got Millennium Falcon. I got the Land Speeder there. Um, but yeah, I just uh, the new like new Star Wars mainline Star Wars. I think is done. I'm over it. The Last Jedi, ugh, whatever. Rise of Skywalker. I mean, I'll probably see it, but only because that's allegedly the end of the story. They're gonna keep going, obviously. But what what we really need, what we really need, is to take a step back and just get back to the basics of what Star Wars is all about. Get back to the basics of what Star Wars is all about, which is just filthy people living in space and grubby spaceships, just just living life on the outer rim, just hiding from the Empire. Although, interestingly enough, the Empire aren't in this anymore. The Empire are just as grubby as everyone else. Uh, yeah. No, but I'm really liking The Mandalorian. Um, just, uh, got, I've got a lot of rambly thoughts about it, because I'm just excited about it. Okay, well, I don't have rambly thoughts. I've got sharp and... Uh, sharp, concise, to-the-point thoughts, much like the episodes of The Mandalorian. Uh, well, here... Okay. <laughs> okay. Hit me. Mandalorian, um... I really like this idea. This is an idea we talked about way back in something like episode four. Yeah, John Favreau took our idea for a Boba Fett TV show. We did. We talked about this. <laughs> yeah. And the opening was exactly the kind. It was of, exactly this ex- thing. I went back to listen to my description of what that would be like, and it is almost play by play identical. Yeah, we must have hit on something because I something. reckon that's what everybody seems to want from Star Wars, and yeah. I'm glad. We're not alone. I'm glad we're not alone. Yeah. However... Cool opening though, right? Cool opening. Exciting. Um, I have a number of issues. I want you to be far more Quentin Tarantino inspired. Yeah. I want you to be far more violent. Okay. I wanted this to be the Star Wars that is not... This isn't okay. There are big, brutal... Headshots. There's mm-hmm. blood. There's guts. There's exploitation. There's oh, blood and guts. Okay. Like there is just grimy, horrible stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, because one of my main problems with uh, yeah mainline Star Wars now is that it gets so caught up in the grandeur of it that it forgets about like the minutia. Yeah. And um, in this massive talk about good and evil, it forgets about the everyday good and evil. Mm. And I thought this could be a far better way of exploring that in a sort of like brutalist um, pulp, pulp aesthetic, like like Quentin Tarantino. And I thought the format that it could have taken would be a four ser- four episode special, eight episode special at max. Yeah, well, it's going to ten. Well, cool. it's been confirmed for two seasons. Um, oh well, yeah, I mean I can't wait. And the, well, this is my problem. I feel that rather than it being this short, punchy, brutal lens into the the lives of low grade, low grade underclass in mm-hmm. in the Star Wars world, what it sort of ended up being is just sort of like it is more mediocre sci-fi. First three episodes I thought were quite strong. Mm-hmm. And in the fourth episode, there was the opening scene 
where he gets broth and with baby Yoda. Uh-huh. Um he goes to the 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 inn or uh-huh. wherever it is at the backwater planet he's at and the dialogue he had with the innkeeper. Uh-huh. Asking for broth and then making a bribe. It felt so naff sci-fi channel. See, I Stargate Atlantis levels of acting. And <laughs> I'm not on board with that. I realise that a lot of people, perhaps yourself I'm included... I'm totally on board with it. Um, and it I'm, not, I'm not hurting anyone. I don't think that's a bad thing. Uh-huh. However, that's the moment I checked out. Yeah, that's, not what you wanted. That's not what I wanted. That's not what I wanted to see. And this began... It immediately began to feel like me. This They're just going to spin this out forever. Like a Stargate Atlantis. Like a... Like a Starship Enterprise, a similar level of sci-fi, and that's not what I was looking for. I was looking for high quality, high impact, brutalist, pulp aesthetic, mm-hmm. four episode Mandalorian on his own doing some really morally grey stuff with some really morally grey people, and it feels a lot fluffier and a lot more palatable than that. Well, it, it just depends episode by episode because the latest one that came out is quite a sort of morally grey sort of thing. Uh, I don't know if you've, if you've stopped at episode four, uh, then you won't have seen it. But no, nah, the the latest episode is kind of more more of that, like getting on board with some criminals and doing some criminal stuff, uh, which is quite good. Uh, but no, like I really liked it for the sci-fi channel aesthetic it had because I feel that that's been missing from television for so long having grown up and watched uh, you know Firefly The Next Generation uh, Farscape because I say Farfetch but that's a Pokemon Uh, Farscape can Uh, I pause you there for a moment uh I'm so glad you said that because there was something in my head the whole time I was watching it that that I that made me feel. Oh, I've remembered this. I re- this is making me think of something. Uh huh. Farscape. Farscape. It was making me think of Farscape. It's totally. It's got a proper Farscape vibe to it, which I'm down for. Um, and also, I think the inspiration they're taking from isn't so much Tarantino as it is um, Sergio Leone and like old westerns and stuff. So mm-hmm. it is. It does have a proper like spaghetti western vibe about it. And they weren't incredibly gory violent. They were like about just a. Like a nameless man going around solving the problems of the little people mm-hmm. because he had the the guts and the will to do so. Um, and I like all the I like all the little bits of Mandalorian lore that you get up until this series. It wasn't a hundred percent certain whether Mandalorian was a race of people or whether it was like a tribe, like it is in the show, or whether it was like you know a planet. Uh, but yeah, it turns out Mandalorian is just a tribe of people who are like war- they're like warrior folk, and you can you can join the Mandalorians if you wish, if you so wish. Because there's been loads of discussion online of people being like, "Well, Boba Fett in that case isn't a real Mandalorian; he just wears the armor." And you're like, I mean, that's thirty years of speculation down the pan immediately, which is like it's crazy. The amount of people, the amount of talk that people are having about. Sorry, can I uh, can I stick pin in that? Uh-huh. Why? Why does is Boba Fett not a real Mandalorian? So I think there's a there's a bit of like story like if you read I think in a novel or something he's he's not well because Boba Fett isn't a Mandalorian because he's a clone of Jango Fett 
So technically, he's just wearing his daddy's armor. So is Jango Fett a Mandalorian? Apparently, Jango Fett's not a Mandalorian either. Why is Jango Fett not a Mandalorian? I think he's like he was, but he got like booted from the cause for like basically joining the uh, for joining the Separatists in the Clone Wars, like basically giving himself to that cause and leaving the Mandalorian cause. So he's got a Mandalorian background, but they essentially like evicted him from like you're no longer one of us because you're fighting for different people now. That is, that is such online nerd patter. It is. <laughs> well, technically, he's not really a Mandalorian anymore because he left the cause. Well, he's uh, he left God, the cause. He's, he's gonna stick with the cause. He's still a man. <sighs> because because he's not because the Mandalorian like they're not like a race of people. They're just a tribe of. Of fighter fellows. Technicality fandom. People who get into just technicalities <laughs> and then call themselves fans of stuff. You're not a fan, you're just a nitpicker and you like getting angry. No, but they're not, ang- they're not angry about chat. it, they're just talking about it. They're just, they're no, just no, discovering and no having a discussion about it. Finished with it. <sighs> My chair is so creaky today, I must apologize. I need to apologize. You, 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 you do. I'm gonna cut around it a little bit. Um, um, I need to get so, I need to get some new <laughs> I need to get some new Beskar armor on this chair for I guess <laughs> get it back in shape. Uh, no, I'm lo- I'm really enjoying the Mandalorian. I have to say, uh, I kind of disagree with you there, but um, it's a good. I, I think it's a good fun old fun old good old time. I look forward to it once a week. I'm I'm glad that they haven't just splurged it all out at one time. So like basically people are talking about it once a week it mm-hmm. feels like a little community thing around it be like oh what's going to happen on the Mandalorian this week oh did you see what happened on the Mandalorian this week um, and I like that they're short episodes they're just to the point because people online are complaining that they're not like hour long Game of Thrones style epics it's like it doesn't have to be you don't have to stretch out a story into 45 minutes that's what got Game of Thrones in such a pickle in the first place um, little, do we know the story you want to tell it's only going to take 35 minutes. You know what? What you said has softened my opinion on it. Mm-hmm. And I think perhaps I had gone into it with just a very specific idea. Well, yeah, I think because I think both of our ideas for what the show was going to be was what you described. Mm-hmm. But I, like, I, you got to remember the, the Disney are running the show now, so they can't have... Fucking new Disney princess Mandalorian going around cutting people's guts out. They gotta, <laughs> they gotta have them, you know, just uh, shooting people off screen and looking after a little green baby. I think, I think this does raise the larger question and the larger, the larger description you made that there does seem to be a lack of this in mainstream media of the campy thirty-minute adventure. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's been missing for a long time. I think that's why people are gravitating towards it so much. Yeah, yeah. And I agree. And whilst whilst I would say even even after softening my opinion like you have, I, it's still not particularly in my bag. Sure. I think that its its space to exist is, is real. It should exist, mm-hmm. given given the fact that it is executed well. Yeah. It, 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 the effects are good. The acting is probably deliberately campy. It's definitely campy acting. Yeah, yeah. Because like, like I was describing when I got switched off, I was like, "Oh, because there's because there are some incredibly cheesy lines, like in the second episode where it's like where he's surrounded by stormtroopers and he's like, "I like those odds." It's like, oh. "Come on, man!" Oh, I know. <laughs> so, I was, I, I'm, I'm there for it. I was like, "Yeah, no, cool. That's great." 
just mm. be be the be the cliche loner hero that you want to be because that's that's what people are here for. That's uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah. And I guess I suppose it is in response to the completely ultra serious Star Wars mainstream universe we're mm-hmm. in at the moment because that's almost why I switched off it. Last last Star Wars mainstream film I watched was Rogue One. Mm, which and I'm considering a rewatch on Rogue One. I just, and my problem with that one even was how seriously it took itself. Mm. I just find this new era of Star Wars films to be very, very serious. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Exhaustingly so. I hear you. I feel you. That's why I'm. That's why I'm kind of exhausted with it a little bit. Like I do like it. I think all the Star Wars paraphernalia I have is more of an aesthetic thing because all the designs of the classic stuff are just it's just it's like iconic mm-hmm. shit, you know. It's very iconic. Um, and the old stories they're just they're great. They are. I actually downloaded an old audio. I got an audio book of one of the stories that is no longer canon anymore because I had it because the Mandalorian has been giving me those vibes of those like side novels that uh, they used to put out of like this is what happens in between the movies so I got downloaded an audiobook called uh, Shadows of the Empire which kind of fills the space between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi and it's, uh, it's all criminal underworld stuff mm. it's like Darth Vader and the Emperor dealing with a crime lord and uh, the and like Luke and Leia dealing with like uh, basically a Han Solo ripoff but he's in the Star Wars universe <laughs> <laughs> like, this guy's just Han Solo. He's like, you bet it, kid. <laughs> um, That's great. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, yeah, because I learned that Shadows of the Empire was a Nintendo 64 game, but it was also like, it was like a kind of multimedia experience. Like, read the novel, play the game, read the comic book, much like The Matrix stuff was. Mm-hmm. Remember when The Matrix was around? There was like comic books and anime. And, there was the Animatrix, yeah, which was, it's incredible. to this day, incredible. Mm-hmm. So it was that type of feel, but like in 1996, where people was like, they weren't sure how to advertise it because they didn't want to confuse people thinking there was a new Star Wars film coming out. <laughs> because they were like, there's a whole batch of new Star Wars. Not a movie though. You gotta buy the book. People were like, I'm not reading a Star Wars book. <laughs> Come on. Come on. <laughs> can't read <laughs> yeah the audiobook is three hours long would you believe it's like one of the shortest <laughs> books I've ever read that's, that's a it's no time yeah I've almost finished it I bought it today and I've almost just I just listened to it while I was cleaning um, I, I, I'm just going to tell you this right now in a short snippet of uh, Robin's book club never get the audiobook for Tale of Genji when you're researching um, for your masters in Japan um, because that is 36 and a half hours of pain. Heavens above, that's a long don't, book. Don't do it to yourself. The translation is bad. Most of it won't make sense. And it is just a bad story. Tales of Genji. Don't do it. Don't, don't do it. Where is, where, 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 that's, is that quite well known? I feel like I've heard of that. Uh, well, it's, based, it's commonly agreed on as the work, first work of fiction. Hmm. Um, it's, a fairly, it's a very important book. It's very informative of Japanese culture and it's just it's an important text overall one should read it sure however my god my god I, 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 oh, I mean since we're here since we're in Robin's book club as a short segue from our main topic about Boba Fett Mandalorian boy uh, whatever he wears armor Mando doesn't, doesn't take his helmet off um, Taylor Genji is essentially medieval 
Japanese princes Sex in the City. That's it. Yeah, I have heard of that. It's, yeah. it's basically a bunch of like rich boys talking about girls and their exploits with girls. Then they get together, have some drinks, talk about the girls, and like, oh god, there was this one time that I uh, went to see this girl, and then oh my god, there was another guy there who was there to see the same girl, and then I played my loot, and then he played something, and then oh god, she died. Then I met another girl, and it's just. Oh, you people are awful. You're awful people. You people? Uh, you what do you mean, you people? The Japanese? <laughs> no, I meant rich people. Oh, right. Who are definitely a you people. Well, and then they've uh, they made that into a game called a Hitman 2 <laughs> PC. But that's segue aside. Although I would very much like to see someone who turned Tales of Genji into a Sex in the City film. Well, Disney Plus, we're here. We're uh, here to adapt Tales of Genji into in- a six-part miniseries. With John Favreau and all the rest. I would actually love it even more if we got the Sex and the City cast to dress up in drag as men. As Kabuki Theatre. <laughs> That'd be cool. Oh my god. The Sex and the City cast in drag in Kabuki Theatre doing Tales of Genji in a modern style as Sex and the City. Okay, cool. Well, That's uh, my fanfic. That's so many levels of meta. I think we might have... Falling through the basement to the to the meta basement. Oh, not the meta basement. It was so hard to get out last time. E- e- all all four walls are the fourth wall. <laughs> the meta basement. Yeah. <laughs> um, so back to back. Where to were we? Uh, yeah. So um, if I can just drop a little drop in the ocean of the book club, a little three-hour book called Shadows of the Empire. Mm. The guy. Does uh, does a bunch of voices. He does all the voices for everyone. Oh wow! And he's one of those narrators that kind of s- can't transition into a voice. <laughs> so <laughs> it's really funny. Yes. So he'll do he'll do Dash Rendar's voice talking to uh, to Luke. He does a very good uh, Luke Skywalker impression, but it sometimes slips in a hey, I'm Dash Rendar. Oh boy, I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm I'm Luke's Luke Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, the the the. Uh, but like it goes a bit too funny voices as well because the the crime prince the prince of the of the dark sun uh, uh, crime syndicate basically power moves Jabba the Hutt and tells him to speak English which well it's not English it's uh, common or something like that Uh, I don't know what the quote unquote English language in Star Wars is called but he's like listen don't speak Hutties just speak to me in English and Jabba Hutt talks like this. <laughs> it's like, I can't take this conversation seriously. <laughs> what? Han Solo is very important to me. <laughs> it's just like, okay. But like, then he has to transition back into the, into the reptilian space lord. <laughs> it's just like... This sounds just like... It sounds... As if it's an incredible catastrophe. It's, it's a decent story, but it's just... it's. It's just executed just very bizarrely. It's very like 1996, we're not sure what a book on tape is yet. Let's put in sound effects, let's do a soundtrack for it based on John Williams' soundtrack, but it's its own thing, which is really, I gotta respect it. They came up with a whole new soundtrack for it, which is quite cool. But yeah, it's just, it's just, uh, it was exhausting to listen to. <laughs> but yeah, so Star Wars Shadows of the Empire cool idea for a side story mm. uh, also like so Mandalorian was giving me those kind of Star Wars uh, 
expanded universe vibes, which I'm digging. It was giving me late 90s, early 2000s sci-fi vibes, which I'm digging. It's giving me Wild West vibes. Always been a fan of the Wild West. Loving it. I'm just, I'm just a fan of the Mandalorian. I like his spaceship. I like that he fought with uh, IG-88. Uh, again, technically not that IG-88. It was a different droid. Just Apparently there's just a brand of droid that goes around murdering people. Um, like fucking Crumbopolis Michael out of Rick and Morty. <laughs> Which, actually, I was thinking of when I was playing Hitman. Because every time I boot up Hitman, I was like, Oh boy, here I go killing again. <laughs> yeah. We talked about murder a lot in this episode. Well, we are, well, you did. Yeah. I have to say... What's been very interesting about this new season, this new life, this new... Our new lease of life, a post-Thanos world. Our post-Thanos world is that I'm tending to be quite harsh and critical on things, and then Mm. you're softening my opinion on them. So I'm here to to melt melt the... I have been... I've been thinking more about Philip Pullman since since our last recording, and yeah... it's mainly my hang-ups that led me to view it so harshly. And whilst that informs all of our experience of media, it was it was holding me too much to account. So I'm sorry. Sorry, Phil. Sorry, um, I'm here to melt the melt your carbonite frozen heart. <laughs> <laughs> but what you've explained to me more is the space that Mandalorian should exist in. Yeah. And I had not fully thought that through. And... If it exists in that space and it makes people happy, rock and roll. What? Who am I to say boo to that? Well, you're a man with a podcast, and uh, you gotta have a you gotta have some kind of strong opinion. Otherwise, what's the point? In... I can have a strong <laughs> opinion, but then I can still have that strong opinion. But understand that to other people, it's okay. Nice. I like that. That's good. I, it's real nice. I still think in my heart of hearts, what I wanted to see was this four episode brutal fe- blood fest. And we could still get that from something. It just won't be Star Wars branded. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, so. So, yeah, just to wrap that up, that was, again, just whooshed. This shot over here and there, it was a... An explosion. It was like shooting a, it was like shooting a blaster in a trash compactor. Just bang, bang, bang. It reverberates all over the walls. I enjoyed that. That was a good conversation about Mandalorian. Yeah. No, I'm liking the Mandalorian. So... To summarise, would you go outside for The Mandalorian? I would. And this isn't actually me saying I would now that you've softened my opinion. Mm-hmm. I would have went out for it anyway. Mm-hmm. And I would have went out for it even given my critiques of it. Because I still think it's an interesting idea. Yeah, they're doing something different with the Star Wars license, which which really sums up my entire feelings about it. I'm glad that they're finally doing something different with Star Wars and it's working out and it's actually good. Well done. You're doing it. There's more of this, please. I don't think Disney need our pat on their back, but pat on the back. No, I think all they need all the positive feedback on different on different takes on things that they that they can get because mm. otherwise they'll just start you know, pumping out the same crap all over, over and over again. Yeah. You know, so as soon as this Skywalker saga is out of the way, as soon as the rise of Skywalker is done, I'm excited to see where Star Wars goes. But for now, I'm just let's get over with. I'm tired. Like I really, I really liked kind of where it was going in the rise in the in the Last Jedi. 
but uh, it just you know Ray and Kylo Ren were going to do their own thing they were going to start a new Force of the Jedi but nope it was good versus evil by the end again is that okay you're just going to have this good versus evil thing fine just finish it be done with it for goodness sake <laughs> be done with it yeah just get it over with uh, so I might talk about The Rise of Skywalker in a future episode but um, you know I've not seen it yet so it might be great until then until then let's go outside for The Mandalorian yeah I'm going to go outside for The Mandalorian it's a good show I'm there for it I'm going to continue to get my episodes uh, mailed to me via VHS because uh, that's how I'm viewing it because Disney Plus is not available in the UK currently mm. But we get a little VHS tape sent over to us once a week by John Favreau himself. He says, "Listen, I like the podcast, like we're all about. Here's uh, here's this week's Mandalorian." Yeah, he he delivered it personally as well. Thanks, Fabs. Oh, yeah, big Fabs. Yeah, Raider Roo. <laughs> so <laughs> because you know we're very kind to him. Yeah, he's kind to us. He did well with Iron Man. He did well with Elf. Maybe Chef. Chef El Jefe one of my favourites apparently the Chef Netflix show is very good I've not seen it I've not seen it well maybe that can be perhaps a future episode put a pen in it well Well, thanks for listening Um, it's been another another day in the life of Patch and Robin in the vault having a a nice nice time a good old good old chat a good old unfocused chat a good old good old nice nice blaster and trash can um, and, uh, and as always guys don't go outside yeah as always guys don't go outside because there could be a bounty hunter because uh, there could be a bounty hunter with a with a puck with a little hologram of yourself in it and he'll be looking for you he'll be taking you into the the bounty hunters guild um, so watch out <laughs> or there could be the bounty hunter which I described who wouldn't be taking you anywhere other than tying you to a chair and cutting you into pieces I mean that's less a bounty hunter and more of just a psychopathic murderer <laughs> don't go outside guys because there are space murderers out there uh, if my current media has anything to do with it Agent it- 47 could be dressed up as, as a Mandalorian. Mandalorian oh my god can you imagine that cross <sighs> If, if if Warner Brothers Games wants to somehow do a team up with Disney, which obviously could never happen, well, could never say never. Are you saying like a Hitman game, just a, where you play as a Mandalorian? Yeah, like a Mandalorian game where you play as Agent Forty Seven, or instead of Agent Forty Seven, you're playing as an IG Eighty Eight robot, but in disguise as like a sushi chef. We need like, to we need to just walk into the fanfic domain right now. Yeah, I'm away to write some uh, Agent 47 fanfic. Uh, This is the way. Sign off.